Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter, IPK Glue Guys. iTunes, download us, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, five stars, netsdaily.com, almighty Bri- baller. Brian. You're on fire, Mike. Brian. Smash that like button. You know why? You know why I'm on fire? Wait, so what is this? There's some kind of internet. There's some kind of meme going on with what you're wearing. What's the <laughs> meme? A meme? Yeah. Yeah. So... I moved out of my apartment into a new apartment in my building. Same building. Moving up. Upwards, though. The trick is, if you're going to do that, Mm -hmm. steal a shopping cart from Home Depot, and you can just take stuff up in the shopping cart. Quick (laughs) trick. Life hack for you, Bri. (laughs) Um, Are you going to return it, do you think? I did. Finally. Um, You're straight. You're straight shooter, Mike. It was kind of banged up after uh, I had used it for four days in a row of describing and carrying stuff, but here we are now. So I found at the bottom of my closet... A Nets jersey, and it's a Brooklyn Nets jersey, the black and white, and it had number 10 on it, mm. and if you had not seen the tweet, uh, everyone start guessing who the number 10 is right now as you're listening to this, and I'll give you three, two, one. It is Keith Bogans. Wow, big reveal. So, so what did they win? They just win nothing? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> just, and you're just wearing it. So question you, for you. Yeah. Okay, I was going to give it away. It was in the wrapping and had the tags, and I was going to just give it away mm-hmm. to our fan because it's fan appreciation pod, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking it'll have more value to the fan base if I wear it a couple of times. <laughs> right off your backs, the the off your back, the shirt off your back ceremony. Did you see that at the end of the game? Yes. I don't know why that makes me uncomfortable. That's not the sweat. It's it's something else. Something about that symbolism rubs me the wrong way. Dig, I know. I don't know. I don't want to get like too into it. Yeah, but I think I understand where you're heading <laughs> yeah. with this. It's a little bit too much like giving yourself to yeah. the masses that are... Something. There's something there. I don't... I mean, if I really deconstruct it, I could find it, but it's maybe not worth that amount of attention. <laughs> but but I hope other people agree. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think, yeah, that's cool. It's a nice gesture. Something about the people walking out of there without a shirt on feels a little <laughs> indignant. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'm going to... I think I'm going to do a couple of push-ups in this. Uh, get a good sweat going in it, and then I'll ship it out to one of our fans at some point. We'll do some kind of contest. Hashtag Flatbush in Atlantic. Speaking of fans, Mike. <laughs> Brian. Um, it was Fan Appreciation Night in Barclays, as is it is as is it is uh, on the show here today. Yes. Um, so we're appreciating the fans with, you know, we got a handful of <laughs> emails that we're just going to lead. That's how we do fan appreciation. <laughs> with we'll, we'll lead the show off with uh, listener emails because... In many cases, they're just kind of nice, and they're like, hey, it was a great season, thanks for doing what you're doing. So, you know, it's all to fuel our own ego, ultimately, anyhow, Mike. Um, so may as well. Are you ready? I'm ready. First up, cheer boy, Young Cho! <laughs> um, young Cho, thank you for hitting us up. Hey, Mike and Brian, as I sit here... Impulse purchasing tickets to go see my first Nets on Saturday. To go see some of my Nets on Saturday versus the Bulls. Sorry. In Chicago after watching them spank the Bucks. 
I wanted to get your guys' take on how you like to attend a Nets basketball game. Um, do you like to go early to see the players warm up, or are you a crazy person going an hour and a half early to get autographs? Um, so what is your favorite food? Uh, so on and so forth. Thank you, young, great email. Mike, we're not fun to go to Nets games with. Full stop. <laughs> I've talked. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I used yeah. to be five years ago when you could catch me in the Honda Club popping bottles. Um, that was your spot. That, that, like, that was legitimately we used to, the place to I'm, find Brian. I'm being partly facetious, but we would tie one on pretty heavily at, the, at those events. You, you definitely figured out the Honda Club wall. I think we can finally reveal something. No, no. Okay. You're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> Brian used to figure out a way to... Stop. What are you of, doing? Kind of run the place. Motor mugging. Get out of here. <laughs> Brian, knew, Brian knew... Leave it at that. I hung okay. out a lot at the Honda Club. That's all you need have to you know. Have you seen Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? It was like that for Brian. I, I have seen it, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she was a hacker. Ah, yeah. Well, you know, it's I just like you, to... Not just she's a sexual deviant, but... I think part of... <laughs> Everything that uh, so I used to go to a lot of Nets games with my old man. My old man, my GW loves to find the um, the alleyways of life. You know, go go in the back the back way. Um, <laughs> there was a guy who we both um, like admired very much. Who you we dad? we turned yeah because I would you know as a kid we'd go to um, the old Meadowlands and there was a guy named Al the Wanderer and he never had a seat. He just who, never <laughs> who titled him that. Everyone knew him as Al the Wanderer. Uh, like he was like a bit of a you know fixture, and he would go from like <laughs> from seat to seat. There was nobody knew where his actual seats were, but he would <laughs> pop in for like five minutes, sitting next to you, and then somebody would come and take their seat back, and he would. But somehow he was getting in the door and wandering around the building the entirety no of the game. Either not not even no shame. The concept of shame does not was not <laughs> registering. <laughs> there was there was so little shame. It was not a, yeah. There was no word for it in his mind. Where, whereas I feel when in my own seats, I feel uncomfortable that I'm in someone's way or taking. When, when in seat. your own skin, Mike is, is the <laughs> constantly problem. in life. Um, um, but anyways, so nowadays we're um, cynical and older and kind of bumps on logs. Um, we, we show up at the normal time, although it's getting really hard to show up at the normal time for Nets games because the line is so cod darn long to get in there. It's really kind of insane. for So you would think, if you haven't been to a game at Barclays, I, I would think most people have who are listening to this, but there's an insane line that builds up outside the arena even 30 minutes before a game. And this is this is for not a highly attended team. You know the Nets get decent attendance for attendance for a team so bad, but it's not like they're like it's not like it's a you're going to see the Golden State Warriors versus the Cavaliers. You're seeing the Nets mm-hmm. versus the Kings, and they'll still be aligned. I went in there one time and I had a multi tool on my keys that was just like oh, a, no. a nail file and like a bottle opener. <laughs> they're like, sorry, sir, that's you know we got <laughs> to like, like, rip it off. I the... had to take it off the stupid ring things. Yes, and everyone's staring. Everyone's at you. staring at me. I'm taking way too long and. Luckily, because I, I probably would have destroyed somebody, I've probably taken someone in the bathroom and... and uh, Daniel Craig them and... Yeah, John Wick. Yeah, John Wick. <laughs> John great. Wick them with a the nail file. Great reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so, like, what's the fun way to do Barclays is to try to go to one of the bars beforehand outside of it and sneak your way in, but the sneaking your way in has become impossible. You can't sneak your way into Barclays anymore. There's not, like, a easy access point. It's better than going to the garden, though. The garden's still the well. Whole... You would never sneak in; just you always have to have a ticket. That's no, the, by yeah. sneaking in, meaning like quick, quick entry. Right, right, being able to waltz right through a line and kind of there get are right into... like stupid, like so many stupid VIP entrances to Barclays. Like, 
And Brian like, knows about them. He's, he has uh, some insiders. I mean, I've worked the VIP entrances all I can, but they don't, they're not appreciably faster than that front door on many occasions. And again, it's like, so it makes sense when you go to the garden. The garden's above Penn Station. It's several levels above. So you have to go through the whole weird entrance point through the front, right by the front of Penn Station. And then you have to go all the way around, up three levels of stairs to get to just the base level of the garden. Feels like Barclays, like we should have been able to like fly right in there. Like that should be, if I'm designing a stadium. Zip lines, yes. Zip lines would be the number one way I would get into it. Water slides would be number two. I would actually combine the both. I would go zip line into a water slide into a pit of marshmallows. Ugh. Marshmallows. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was at the end of my own <laughs> That's zip That's going to get really dirty. Yeah. Um, no, and also I'm, I'm – so now there's a weird thing I have going on. Since like the kneeling during National Anthem, mm-hmm. for some reason now I'm more cognizant of the National Anthem and whether to be respectful. Like before, I felt good when I would take off my hat. Like, like during the National Anthem, I would take off my hat, and I would feel good about that. I feel like I did my duty as American. Now that, like, there's all this controversy around it, if I'm walking into the arena while it's going on, I feel like I'm getting – this is back to me feeling uncomfortable in my own skin. I feel like I'm getting judged, that I'm not American enough, that I should be stopped. I should not be in motion while the National Anthem Really? Is that's how I feel. That's that's the side of the national anthem argument like, that you're landing well, like, on. If you pass more reverence, that's that's older. That's interesting. That that maybe not that they served, uh-huh. but I feel like they'll look at me as some young crappy millennial who has no respect for the flag, and I'm in motion while the national anthem. Well, is playing. I just think the whole thing is. I mean, so that know, ruins my life. Respectfully, whatever. Just how fast things become normal. Like I don't know. Like every little behavior like becomes very normal. I, I, do we? I don't know. I just I just don't have. A lot of, I don't do a lot of the pageantry of life, you know. And <laughs> obviously, <laughs> see, and, see the, where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and so yeah. Anyways, that's how I feel about it. But um, I and I also this is to reference GW again. Got this from him, who used to time everyone singing of the national anthem um, and have like a sort of average of what an acceptable amount of time to sing the Ooh, national. Oh gosh, is, which you know that kind of should give you an insight into the cynicism of which i was <laughs> it wasn't like though no, that that's that's a good length in terms no it's of... it's a huge inconvenience is basically <laughs> what the message is and like how can we get past this inconvenience faster we want to see the, the ball go through the hoop yeah. um yeah so that, that's our and then i have this whole thing where like the toronto raptors you know you're the one team that's you're listening to that that's a long anthem too you're in like 20 two minutes and 20 seconds you know, add that on before every game. If you play your whole career in Toronto, you're listening to a whole lot of that anthem. That's like, extra miles on you because it's extra, extra standing. Extra Think standing. That. Yes, that, that adds up. That, yeah. Um, you know how, like, people love to say playoff, like, the fact that, like, LeBron James has gotten to the final seven or eight straight years, that's added a whole season of basketball or two whole seasons of basketball. Being a Canadian, playing for a Canadian team has added uh, incalculable number of standing time yeah well i should just say here's my here's my issue before i don't want people to think that i'm like you know just like a some kind of you hate crazy anti-american yeah you hate you hate america you hate canada i just think that the infusion the of of like military and sports i always am just like this is a weird combination why do we keep doing this and it gets the merging keeps getting more and more yeah and in the nfl that was a commercial decision Mm-hmm. By both entities to do that, yeah. Where it's, just, it was I'm just thing. wary of it, guys. Don't come after me. Put your pitchforks down, okay? Love America. Love this. Love this gosh darn country. Um, Hashtag love America. All right. 
Um, fan appreciation. Well, so we're getting a lot of mileage out of Young here. Um, so do you have any food? Honestly, everything that I eat there I feel really guilty about, so it's hard to enjoy anything. But Yeah, Barclays really doesn't knock it out of the park in terms of food. Like, cause I went, so I went, so I did this for my real job working at WCBS 880 radio. I went to go cover the Mets before the season. The Mets unveiled their new food to the media. They do this whole big event where they bring food bloggers and regular media people like me along and they serve, you know, all this great food that you want to buy at city field. City field's incredible yeah. for food. And I'm not saying Barclays should be, it was just Barclays is like, like, I, I still think it's funny that they had a boomer and carton, uh, yeah. like food truck. Not food truck, but like a food pavilion thing for that. And that was considered an exciting development for Barclays. Here's my my feeling about the Barclays food situation. It seems like also like a lot of those type of institutions are going away. Like I can't, I don't have any numbers on that, but just as like I walk around the arena, I'm seeing more of your standard fare. And I've noticed that too. Which seems to make sense, honestly, because like how much, like are you really going to want to pay, drop that $20 on like a, Cuban sandwich that's probably not going to be that good. Like that is the thing I get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. that is exactly the, the item I eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Well, so in that case, you have your answer. For me, I'm, you know, I'm a hot dog eating son of a gun. What can I say? If the problem is that the price point of a hot dog no matter where you go now is just it's too high. It's on the rise. It's that's, too high and it still sure. should always be 3 bucks. I think 3 bucks is a fair amount of money. For a hot dog at a, at a stadium, because we both know the the quality that goes into a hot dog. If you get a three dollar hot dog, you're getting a deal at any of these places. They're like six dollars now, and that's what I'm saying. It should yeah. be. So the way I buy alcohol and the way I eat food is, uh, like quality divided by quantity. So that ratio. So as much as I can, as good as I can get it, but for as much as I can get it. Mm-hmm. I want to get. I guess I want to get that number as close. Well, that doesn't. Really, I think it's quantity divided by quality. Either one of those two. Basically, I want to. I don't want to pay a lot of money, and I want a lot of something. Mike's one of those people that thinks that they're not a picky eater, but then when you really start pulling out, pulling out the layers, you find oh, out there's all there's, there's all kinds Let's of. Let's not talk about all, our dumpling trip. Or <laughs> we go to a dumpling restaurant. What happened to the dumpling trip? That was a fine trip. And you ordered Dan Dan noodles. I'm sorry. What you, did you like? Those are you Dan balking Dan at the Dan Dan noodles? Did you like those Dan Dan noodles? Well, of course not. They were bad Dan Dan noodles. But the 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 Disgusting. ordering decision of getting Dan Dan noodles. Disgusting. All right. See, this is what I'm gonna talk. I don't know. <laughs> Starting with you, Dan Dan noodles are amazing. By the Anyways. way, why aren't dumplings at basketball games? Give me a set of dumplings. Five dumplings for five bucks. Here you go. There you go, people. You hear that, Brett? Your mark. Dumplings. Follow me, and you can get courtside seats for this game. <laughs> Next up, never has happened, Brett. Cheer boy. Luis Torres <laughs> going in tonight um, today. Um, so Luis, subject line: Fire Kenny. Just joking. Wow. He says, "Just kidding." Um, just wanted to say thank you for making this net season enjoyable. You have one of, if not the best, podcast right now. I'm out west for the time being, so you guys are part of my New York fix that I look for every week. Hopefully here to see you guys in Las Vegas for the Summer League. Also, thanks for the Marcus Thornton jersey, too. Um, I forgot that, we, that we've, we've given out some some pretty terrible jerseys in the past. Um, <laughs> who, who I think from this team, the Quincy, if we should probably buy a Quincy AC jersey so we can so, give no, it away. No, Dante Cunningham is the, no, is no. the Keith Bogans. <laughs> Of 2018. I'm so proud of this Keith. Now this Keith Bogans jersey is cool. It's, I'm sorry. It's really aged nicely. Um, That's what Cunningham would be. I think Quincy AC. I'm, I may buy a Quincy AC jersey when the time comes. 
Um, you hear that? We're part of the New York fix, Mike. Um, anyways, next up. Oh, thank you, by the way, Luis. Um, we love you back and enjoy that jersey. Next up, cheer boy, Andre J. This tiny little button. Um, hey, glue guys. I wanted to throw something at you uh, regarding the idea of a trade. Mike, Ooh. you hear that? Ooh, okay. Um, Shaking myself off here. Shaking myself off. Trades. <laughs> um... <laughs> In the last year's draft, I had my eyes uh, set on two prospects in DJ Wilson and Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, in your opinion, are these guys worth going after? And if so, what would it take to get one of them? Um, so, just looking around a little bit. DJ Wilson, among many other Milwaukee uh, players, are like people that have been on the Nets radar. Thon Maker was bandied around for a little bit. We were pretty excited during the draft when Thon was... He didn't fall because he got drafted way early, but like the thought was that the Nets had a shot at Thon Maker. Yeah, not close. Um, and also maybe for the better because he seems like a pretty long term project at, at present. Right, and then like if they had got Thon McCurr, uh, would they have then drafted Jared Allen? Mm-hmm. And obviously, Jared Allen's a better player than Thon McCurr at the moment. Dude, Jared Allen is is finishing the season strong. I do want to say so. NetsDaily.com, love it. I did see some Rudy Gobert comparisons. We may want to be careful about Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is a physical freak, uh, super tall, super long, where Jared Allen is like average. For center position, he's average height. He has super long wingspan and fantastic athleticism. He's Clint Capella, not Rudy Gobert. But <laughs> so DJ Wilson. Yeah. Get your inaccurate comparisons right, people. Actually, Clint Capella is probably like a really good comparison. Yeah. So we have DJ Wilson and Isaiah Hartenstein. DJ Wilson not getting any minutes whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Buried in the rotation. And I loved him. Uh, short shorts wearing power forward who's athletic. I'm going to be a big fan. He is fan. pushing the short, short game to this very day. And By the way, I watched... Super big fan. So I, I never watched the NCAA tournament. Don't watch, don't care. <laughs> um, but I caught some of that Michigan game because I've got my eyes set on your boy Mo Wagner. Oh, now you're on the Mo Wagner train? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm just, that's, he's just a meme. Um, but the short, short game is getting out of hand in college. We're, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it is missing the bicycle short underneath. I'll say that. Like, I don't want to. I don't sure. want to forget about the bicycle short on route to having shorter shorts. I still think the undershirt underneath the jersey needs to come back. The Patrick Ewing, Milton Doyle had it in summer league. Dude, come on, Trevor Booker. What are you talking about? I want. I want to bring that back. I want more players. I mean, I think a nice undershirt. Just a nice floppy undershirt, not tight. Yeah, I want, give that, me the floppy. that Anthony Davis flop. Yeah, yeah. that's what you need <laughs> under the undershirt. Combine that with a short short, then you've got a look going. Was, am I right in thinking that in college he had a floppy undershirt? He did. Yeah, yeah. I think he still wears shirts. He, sometimes. he, does, he does an undershirt, but it's tight now. He's got his arms got beefier. He he does. I think Anthony Davis has like uh, the body image issues, like a you know a thirteen year old Mike Smells basically because he. He's afraid to shave off the unibrow, and they did. He did that whole joke. I don't know if you saw. Do you have a unibrow that you shave off? Yes, <laughs> I did. No, absolutely. Idea. Well, you've been maintaining my, it nicely all these years. My mom. Okay, here's what happened. She gets her hair done at a salon, like uh-huh. like many a mom does before her. And my mom, in eighth grade, going into ninth grade, took me to a salon to get my unibrow waxed. Wow, deluxe. Um, but the woman who did it, love her. Shanaz. Shanaz is from Iran, where a unibrow is common, apparently. Well, it just is. And so she treated me with, with, with such grace and told me, you know what? 
you look better with it. And so, did, but she ended up doing it, or she ended up just just crafting a little. Was bit. Was your mom like, "Listen, lady, I'm I'm paying you to wax this yeah, thing. I'm just do it and shut up." Fifty bucks to wax this guy's <laughs> eyebrows. So when then I just do it. I just, I just do the shave. I do the shave in between. <laughs> um, that surprised me because you're not a very hairy guy, as far as I can tell. But maybe you have secret hairy things going. <laughs> I don't on. know. I don't know which way I want to go with that, but. I appreciate that. Leave it. Let it let it die on the vine. Uh, what's the question? Do we want either of these two guys? Yeah, I, I'll say <laughs> I looked into Isaiah Hartenstein, and he's got a concerning new tattoo um, that makes me worried for oh, him. Do tell, describe it for the for the fan. Well, base. it's just the it's just the forearm sleeve um, on one arm, which it's a know. it's a between the wrist and elbow sleeve. What do we got in it? <sighs> um, it's like a backboard, a hoop. It's a lot of basketball imagery. Um, I don't know why that concerns me. <laughs> just, it just does. Um, I, I Based on the no, none of him that I've been watching, that's all I have to go off of. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like in in like I there's I've heard no news about Isaiah and his you know overseas career or whatever. Have you heard anything? I don't know. Well, I think didn't we we had on um, what was his name last year from Israel? Remember he? Yeah, David Pick. So I think we asked David about him, and he was pretty much down on Isaiah. Yeah, there was not much much buzz. Because he was saying, like, so this is sort of what we're actually seeing with Mo Wagner. It's like, if you don't watch Mo Wagner play basketball, and you see that he shoots 40% from three, he scores a bunch of points, gets a bunch of rebounds, you're like, oh, that's a modern stretch five. Isaiah Hartenstein, we're told, is a seven-footer who shoots threes. But then you look at his stats, and you actually watch him play basketball. He's not athletic, really. And he's actually not a good shooter. He just happens to shoot some threes. See, this is why I don't, like, ultimately... I mean, a lot of reasons that I don't watch the NCAA. But, like, you know, Frank Kaminsky goes in, has has an amazing tournament run, whatever. Right. Pretty... He's, he's on, not good. On route to being a fairly unforgettable or forgettable player. Um, and the thing is, it's like the NCAA, like, at that level, there's a bit of a dearth of offensive talent. Guys with enough to get it into the pros can look, you know, really sensational but ultimately being seven foot seven feet tall and shooting the basketball like at a you know above average mark, you're gonna be pretty unstoppable at that level. You know? Is that fair to say? Is that why these Let's, Mo Wagners and, and Frank Kaminsky's get over? That and, and like just look at the general size. So like um I I went to the Big Ten tournament live, I saw Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is a guy who's gonna be a top ten pick, likely top twelve, you know, whatever. Um he's listed as like six six, six seven, and he looks huge in college. Where in the pros, he's going to look average. So, like, Mo Wagner is this, he has height over guys, he has some size over them, like, general just size. He's not like a, not a skinny dude, completely skinny dude. And he can shoot some threes. Like, his height isn't going to matter as much in the pros. He's just not going to. And the Dirk Nowitzki model, I know everyone gets excited about because there's, you know, in theory, a chance that that could turn out. I feel like that type of player is going to be much better suited for a leaner, quicker build in today's modern NBA, the more the Laurie Markkinen kind of style of build, um, where lateral movement and driving is more of your game. So if you see a guy who's stuck to the, to the floor, like Mo and Frank are, um, probably a bad sign. Yeah, really bad sign because there's just not much you can do with them defensively. There's stuff you can do with them offensively. I've seen like so. Then the, uh, everything about Nowitzki is that like it's not lost to us, but when he gets com- when players from Europe get compared to him, they're compared to him because they can kind of shoot and they're tall. The thing about Nowitzki is that like he's just like the most skilled, one of the most skilled basketball players the NBA has ever had in terms of shooting a basketball from a bunch of different angles. Just because you can shoot threes from the top of the key at a good clip doesn't mean that you're the next Nowitzki. 
And like that's why Steph Curry. So we look at Steph Curry and Trey Young. Uh, we be- were told early in the season that Trey Young is going to be the next Steph Curry. When like the reason why Steph Curry is Steph Curry is because he has like ninety percent of the handle of Kyrie Irving while also being the best shooter of all time. Trey Young may have some handle, but he doesn't have that handle. I mean, he's younger than Curry will be. He's younger now than when Curry was when he entered the league. There's just a difference. There's like, to me, it's still. We talk about like the superlatives, but the main superlative for any guy is like, do they have the skill to play the game and actually produce on the floor? Not just like, do they like do a couple of things well? And like, it, there's no connection between those few things, them doing well. So that's it, Brian. Nicely done. Next up, Cheer Boy. Pelle Gunnarsson. Um, Pele, uh, thanks for hitting us up. You may remember him from a previous email, Mike, not too long ago, where he asked where to get coffee before the, the big Nets game that he was going to. And guess what? He took what? my advice full stop, <laughs> uh-huh. like everyone ought to, you know? Uh-huh. He's, he's, um, he's on the forefront of that new trend that everyone's just going to start doing. Um, and he went to Conditori. The dope Swedish coffee spot. Send a, send me some selfies of him hitting it up, and um, and then him at the game. Um, I, I love that you're like the Yelp for Nets fans. That makes me very happy. It's about time people start just just following me blindly. You know, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Like, um, like that cult that was found in Albany. Did you dig into that story at all? No. What is that? Oh, you got to dig into that. There, uh, there was a cult that got broken up in Albany that. Like actresses from the show Smallville mm-hmm. were a part of. It, we'll we'll we'll, hmm. we'll put a cap on that and reread that for next pod. But okay. There you go. Well, anyways, Pelly got your email, <laughs> loved it, um, and thanks for hitting us up. Um, anyways, the next one um, that I'm gonna play and bear with me here while I unplug over here and go in, into this spot. Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> this is a an audio uh, one from Cheerboy Jerry. Um, or maybe he has a different name, or I don't know. But uh, it's loading now, and now it plays. What's up, Glue guys? This is just a D'Angelo Russell rant. Now I know he didn't play most of the season. He's still getting his legs under him. He's 22 years old. But I just don't like some of the things I see from him. I hate his body language sometimes, and you can really tell when he's engaged in the game. When he's really into the game, you have like an all-star potential type of guy. But when he's not into the game, he's like somebody who will sabotage the whole game. Maybe not on purpose, but some of the things that he does in those moments really like just pisses me off. <laughs> all the turnovers, all the sloppy play, all the ill-advised bad shots. I mean, I, I really hope that he ends up being something for the Nets. But I see so many negative signs. You know, I really hope that he turns out to be much better than he is. You know, he has that superstar explosion. Uh, potential, but I really think that, you know, we get that out of Levert and you see somebody who's working hard every day when you see him compared to guys like Levert and Rondé. And I look at him, he's just, he, he seems like he's really not into it sometimes. And I don't know if he's just frustrated, but I don't know. I'm starting to feel like I'm not too happy with D'Angelo Russell at this moment. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you hear it here first, Mike, we've got some dissent. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this because um, D'Angelo had a really nice game last night. I don't know if you saw. Yeah. Um, but kind of a classical game. He had five turnovers. You know, it was not without its many mistakes because that's sort of who D'Angelo Russell is at the moment. Young guy 
who's uh, got a whole lot of responsibility and, you know, is trying to make... I like how he put the qualifier on. I don't think he's trying to sabotage, sabotage on purpose. Um <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't think that either. But they, there is some strokes of genius in there that I think are like, <clears throat> you know, we should highlight as much as his like pretty flagrant mistakes. There was one play in particular that I thought was really great, kind of a broken play, uh, where he like dribbles into the paint. This is maybe like end of the first quarter and he does this amazing thing where um Osik is coming out a little bit like hedging out on him and he's you know the third defender or whatever and d'angelo points next to him as if he's calling for a like back screen from his man who is dante, dante cunningham who's already drifted out to the corner and he pretends to point for the pick and then kicks it out to the corner to the guy who's drifting from there thinking that he's about to get picked very subtle, but very genius play. Dante Cunningham also finished that thing with that goofy, I think it bounced off of everything and went <laughs> in. But the beforehand, that part of it was really, really smart and clever and like uh, really in the moment. Um, so I think while while I'm on board with all the criticisms of D'Angelo, I don't think we've we've you know given him just a, a pass on all of his problems. It is nice to take a minute to appreciate like there is some crazy um, foresight that he exhibits. He's he does some really incredible things on a nightly basis, and I don't think he's uh, you know bad team empty stats type of guy. No, I think he ultimately will grow into a winning player. So like and like the whole thing is what he's twenty one or twenty two now at this point. He's had a weird Kobe season to start his NBA career. He had a weird season last year where the the team is like the Lakers don't know what they want to be and people are getting moved in and out. And now he's on the Nets, and then he had the injuries. But ultimately, throughout all of that, he's always produced. And seeing him this year, I'm really like even more bullish on that trade than I was before. Yeah. Because I don't think he's... So the idea in my head going in, he could be one of two players, which is the player that he is, which I think is a pretty savvy, smart scorer who can also distribute the ball. I don't think that's... I think they can't be said enough because the fact is like... A lot of guys can score in the NBA, but the fact that he does have the ability to also set people up differentiates him than from a lot of guys. The the other guy he could have also been going in was basically a better Marcus Thornton to bring back Marcus. Like He could have been like the top-class Marcus Thornton. He could have been just a dude who scores maybe 20 a night but does nothing else for the rest of your team, turns over the ball, takes bad shots, but he's going to get his. He's not that guy. I, th- I can definitively say he's not all points, nothing else, bad mistakes all over the floor. Mm-hmm. He still makes mistakes. But I think his mistakes break down in two categories. You can say this about a lot of people. They are him trying to do a special play or it's him kind of being a little lazy and still not completely keyed in. And I do want to – it's hard to handle the ball in the NBA. Like – Again, Wizards fan here. I've seen John Wall. He still John Wall still doesn't make the right play on every possession. But I just think I think people have to realize that that's just not realistic. The, and I mean, we're we're used to watching D Sloan, you know, do his thing. So like we have a, a certain a standard. Perfect point guard. <laughs> we have a certain standard to uphold. Um, and what's interesting is that like Dinwiddie's on the team. Dinwiddie's the opposite sort of. I mean, not that Dinwiddie can't make the good play. I mean, he's obviously had a few game winners. Always, always makes the conservative play unless he's shooting it, and then it is a little wildly not conservative. Right. Yeah. Which is funny, right? That the yeah. passes he makes are like that's the pass. It's not. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to do anything more than like the the pat the guy pass to the guy right next to him. But his shots are step back. Can be thirty footers. So, yeah. so awful. Yeah. So incredibly terrible. 
I will say this also with regards to your points about body language. I'm kind of a armchair body language expert of sorts. Mike, I think you'll agree with that. Yes. Um, I think his his body language is a little bit complicated, more complicated than just like not involved, not doesn't care. I think it's a little bit in the Steph Curry realm of I am. It's a affected confidence. I'm trying to exude this like confidence that's so confident that it's just kind of leisurely, you know. Um, so I don't think it's just like not assertive or whatever. I think it's just it's a little bit. He's very conscious of how his body is being held. Yeah, and. Um, He's trying to make it seem like he has just like a, a well of, of confidence that goes on forever. Um, and it's it's just coming out like a little bit weird right now because like he's not as good as Steph Curry. So it's not a, like a good fit. Um, you know, you kind of have to be at that furthest end of the elite spectrum to get away with that kind of thing, I think. Um, so in in the meantime, like he's practicing <laughs> for when, for hopefully when he's actually good. Hopefully that does happen. Um, he's really good at basketball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that like I take your point and, and I, I could see how you're saying that, but I, I think there might be I think he's very conscious of that kind of thing. And so when the Nets were winning games earlier this year, they were winning them mostly because they were the Nets were playing at optimum efficiency. So the stat you had last week about the QSQ. QSQ. All right, which is if you were listening last week, is essentially the Nets take the most amount of best predicted like the shots that will most likely get you points, they take the most of those, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but so then when the Nets were winning games earlier in the year and let's say D'Angelo was out or whatever, <laughs> what was that? Um, it's a message. Um, when the Nets were playing earlier in the year and D'Angelo was out or D'Angelo was in the lineup, whatever, they were playing at optimum efficiency. Okay. And they would still only win games by five points. Um, you need a guy like D'Angelo to win you those games where Damari Carroll's not playing well or something like that. D'Angelo Russell is that guy who can maybe win you a game. Alan Crabb showed that he is that guy five times a year this season. Alan Crabb last night scored 41 points. He showed that when he is that good, he can win you a basketball game. D'Angelo should be able to reach that level much more consistently, where I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie, who I love... Is much more like, I, I'm I'm going to give you B plus all the time. You're never going to get below a B minus, but you're also really never going to get A plus out of me. It's just not in terms of performance and expected performance. It's a little bit perfect that the <clears throat> they highlighted, and this is this comparison has gone went past us this whole season. But that the last player to score 40 points in the Nets was Boyan Bogdanovich, who <laughs> kind of plays a very similar brand of basketball to Alan Crabb. Who do you enjoy more? I think I enjoy Alan Crabb more still. I, 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 well, I'm a bigger, hard to say, I'm a slightly bigger believer in the potential that Alan Crabb can put it together and be like, I mean, like Boyan's having a good season. Don't get me wrong. He's playing well this year, um, all things considered. Um, but I still, I'm, I'm holding out a little bit more belief. Maybe I'm biased because like I'm, you know, Crabb's on my team this year and Boyan's not. Um but I don't know. I feel I feel like he has a chance to put it together more than Boyan. What do you think? Yeah, I think this just because Crab is molded as the Corver type three point shooter, and we know that that guy works in the NBA and he works on any team. Where Boyan is, <laughs> obviously the Pacers are really good this year, but Boyan's like a weird sort of like a bad Paul Pierce in a way, you know. Yeah. Well, I also like the idea. I like Crab can get away with trying to like when he was doing his campaign for I'm a really great Defensive defender. Player of the year. You can you can. Put that out there, and it doesn't sound insane. Whereas Boyan 
really can't, unfortunately. Um, anyways, next up, Cheerboy Robbie Rose. He's got enough John Cena's over the years, but uh, so I'm sorry that I don't have one for you now. But you deserve one, Robbie. Darn it. Everyone deserves a John Cena. Um, it's just we're not technologically prepared for that today. So, um, But anyways, here's Robbie. What's up, Brian and Mike? This is Robbie Rose. Uh, if Brian's theory is true, if Okafer does have significant minutes next season, he will be productive. Not a tank commander, but I like that term. Uh, you can see his ability on the court. He might not be the best defender, and he might be a little sluggish, but he still gets blocks, steals. He can box guys out. He can body people up when they try to back into the rim. Uh, he's a big guy, and we need another full-size center. He's clearly a talented shooter. I don't know his percentage offhand, but I feel like he usually makes the basket. Uh, he has handles, and he's just fun to watch. And the Nets are a lot more fun to watch this year than the year before, maybe even before that as well. But like with players who just have a real presence on the floor, there's they're not stacked. Uh, playing time, we'll just give him get him even better. It'll get him more adjusted to the system, and the system's not that hard. I mean, he's already proven that, like, when he drives in and he has too many defenders, he can kick it back out to the three-point line, and that's basically the system. It's not hard. He can figure it out. Let him keep playing. I think the Markinson error is phenomenal. The only problem I have with it is the way they treat Jaleel and D'Lo. Atkinson kept Levert in the game mid-season when he was just shooting brick after brick. And it was just so frustrating. I don't know why anybody else wasn't talking about that, but I mean, I'm glad they persisted because obviously Levert has come out of it and he's great. But why not do the same thing with D'Lo? Like, I understand only playing him six minutes in the first game of a back-to-back. Um, but if I feel like since then, if he's not playing at an all-star level, they kind of just take him out and don't give him the minutes that he should have, especially if they want to get him to like snap out of this whatever headspace he's in that's making him miss shots. Because, again, I think he has the highest ceiling on the team. And in terms of the center position, Allen may have the highest ceiling. Okay, okay. But... okay sorry. I took that um, sorry about that, everybody. I had to take a little break after Robbie called all hell broke loose. Um, but we, we have it under control now. Um, so uh, thank you for your call, Robbie, as ever. Um, let me just say one thing. First, I do think that um, the concept, I just want to make sure everyone understands the concept of the tank commander. A perfect tank commander would be someone who's uh, like a perfect version of it as a player whose productivity does not equate to wins, Mike. That's the, so I'm not, to, this is not to say yes. that Julio Okafor is not going to be productive next year. It's that his productivity will not result in W's. That's the perfect tank commander. Yes. In an ideal world. And like we can argue about. You know the the conspiracy afoot that that I'm talking about being true or not or whatever. Like if the if they actually think that that productivity will result in wins or not, it's the motivation, right? It's the mens rea. That's a true crime thing. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it means the motivation to kill. Um, I think so. I'll give a couple of warning signs of whether they are going to tank again. Okay. Um, if they make some kind of seismic trade with one of their young players that we were not expecting, mm-hmm. we're not even talking about Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm talking about like Karis LeVert. If for some reason Karis LeVert was traded. Which, Karis, Rondé, Jared Allen. If you see any of those three guys going. I wouldn't say Rondé because I think I think they would reasonably trade Rondé for like a mid-lottery pick. Rondé had a fantastic season, Mike. Yeah, but I think, the again, the value of Rondé matters more to the Nets than it matters to anyone else because they need his scoring to win games where on other teams he's not going to get the same type of runway to score. He's just not mm-hmm. going to... 
So I think if it's, I don't think they're going to trade Jared Allen because again, he just finished up his rookie year. But I think Karis Avert would be sort of my bellwether for whether they actually believe they're close-ish to kind of being okay, or if they're like, you know what, let's just tank, get someone really good to pair with D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen, and then hopefully dip back up, do the dip down and up. Um, why why Karis Levert? Because Karis Levert's a young development player, right? I think his his value... <laughs> so my cat think, just bit me? Yeah, Brian's cat just bit him. <laughs> he is such a little jerk. What um, kind of cat? Is, is this, is this, this, is a, a, this is a Norwegian forest cat. His name is Magneto. He's kind of the worst, I'll be honest. I mean, he's what? great. He's like, he's super cute, and he's kind. Of, he can be pretty funny, but he's really impulsive. He's also the product of incest, so he's not all there. <laughs> His mom. How do you know your, that? Your mom and dad are brother and sister, um, because I knew the person that um, had the mom and dad, <laughs> <laughs> and they told me. Hi. So he's weird. Anyways, sorry, continue. Um, so basically, like, Karis Levert's value has never been higher. And it's not that they may not don't believe in him, but if they think that they could trade. So the Suns want to be better, and the Suns have multiple first-round picks. The Hawks don't necessarily want to be better, but they could use someone like Karis LeVert. If there's a team like that who has multiple first-round picks that are up higher, that they decide, um, perfect example, the 76ers are entering the playoffs, but yet they're going to have the 10th pick in the draft because of the Lakers trade. Um what would the 10th pick in the draft get them? It would mean more to the Nets to have the 10th pick in the draft than to maybe have someone like Karis LeVert. Again, who I love and who I would nurture and want to see grow into the greatest player in the NBA history. Mike, you're, I'm calling you out. You had him pegged for not having legs forever. Wow, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> Karis, no legs, LeVert. And what, what did that do to him? That motivated Karis to be better. You're right. And now what does he have, You Brian? can't deny that, what people. Does, what does Karis LeVert have? Nets fans, you cannot deny that Mike motivated him. I think I think that's on us. We've also said we would not pot until they win, and now they've gone on a huge winning streak. So, <laughs> Do they do they close this out with another W tomorrow? Do you want to, Do you want me to go into my whole Twitter rampage that I had it the um, other day? Yeah, let's – Let's. How, how long are we into this? Should we, should we close it out with that? Do we have other news to get yeah, to? Yeah, let's, let's close it out with this Twitter rampage I went on. Okay. So we're in an interesting sort of spot with um, the end of the season here uh, because this is like prime tank, right? This is the moment to be tanking. But it's also the time because there's one game left in the season that playoff teams, if they're not in playoff positioning, may sit some players because, you know, what's the point of playing one more game when they already know where they're going to be in the playoffs? Remember last year, I was thinking back to this, it was against the Bulls, right, that the Nets, remember mm-hmm. the Nets, yeah, and everyone was, that, that was like on first take. Yeah. That the Nets well, sat Brooke Lopez. So here's here's what I have another bit about this because Tracy McGrady. This is I live reacting to like all, like really you know commentary that nobody cared about a month ago when it happened. <laughs> so when they played, or it was maybe two months ago when they played the Bulls, and Tracy McGrady went on this rant about how the Nets and Bulls were like tanking and it was so bad. And I was like, well, first of all, you know everyone knows the Nets aren't tanking, but second of all, that game wasn't that bad. And, and all three of these games have been kind of fun because Bobby Portis is like super competitive and a maniac, and like like as far as tanking goes. You know, and we are a little bit of experts in, you know, watching some bad basketball at this point. Like, <laughs> those are not bad. That's not as bad as it gets, T-Mac. Like, I'm calling you out on your... <laughs> well, and I will say, like, the idea of tanking, it is bad. Yeah. But when you actually see it, what what it is on the basketball court, the product you get when you play a tanking team is you get, like, guys who should be in the G League who are trying really super hard to win or play well. Mm-hmm. That's what you actually tanking is. Tanking isn't, like... 
players trying to lose. It's the coach and the management trying to lose. So then they put bad players on the floor. Right. You know, Marcus is not playing because right. the Grizzlies are tanking. So what's happening is so the Nets had their nice uh, two game uh, series, their their playoff series against the Bulls recently. Um, the the Cavaliers and the Knicks, they're both playing. They they're playing two games against each other to end the season for both of them. Um, currently, Brian, do you know where the Nets are in the NBA standings in terms of odds for the lottery? Now, this is what I love. Okay, the the Nets because of their win streak, their three game win streak. The Nets pick now that is going to go to Cleveland is eighth overall. It is tied with <laughs> what, what happened. Oh no, it happened. It happened. We uh, we might need to take a break here, Mike. Uh, My apologies, Mike. This, this has is, been. A I'm going to edit this. Like I'm not. I'm going to leave it a little bit raw. I'm going <laughs> to tell you that because so what's been happening is can you explain? My you cat's like, a terrorist. Basically, is terror. It's bioterrorism. Well, we're the terrorists because we're 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 not. We're actually the opposite of the terrorists. We're the invading army because this is we're yeah. in the cat's bathroom a little bit. <laughs> so so we we've been removed and we're back in. Okay, we're back. Sorry, you had a great point about the tankathon thing. So what's been interesting is that the Knicks, their last two games of the season have been against the Cavs. the 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 Knicks have twenty eight wins. The Nets have 28 wins now. There's one game left in the season, okay? The Nets now play tomorrow, which is Wednesday. The Nets will play the Celtics. The Knicks will also then play the Cavaliers on Wednesday. So I, so the multiple implications here is, one, that the Knicks want to be losing because they want the eighth spot solo. Because what happens in the lottery is if you have the same record, there isn't a tiebreaker. What happens is the, the odds are then split evenly between the two teams. So right now, the Knicks and Nets are both tied for the eighth spot. So that means they have the same amount of odds to win, you know, the number one overall pick or the second pick or third pick, whatever. Um, Cleveland can actively, they want, Cleveland needs to win because they are in a super tight race for like the three, four, five, six seeds in the East at this moment. It's just like a, a wild jumble of teams. So Cleveland has to win, but by beating the Knicks, they actually are making their own first-round pick, the odds for the first-round pick that they're getting from the Nets, worse. Now, okay, eight between nine, not that big of a deal. I understand. But the other active participant in this foursome, Brian, is the Celtics, who the Celtics, again, don't care about winning this next game against the Nets. Doesn't matter to them. Doesn't affect their seeding. Doesn't affect anything. If they let the Nets win... That pick that they traded to the Cavaliers only makes Danny Ainge seem smarter. Only makes him seem like, wow, they got Kyrie Irving for the ninth pick in the draft. Isaiah Thomas, who sucks. And Jay Crowder, who is also gone. I'm just saying mm-hmm. a weird little thing. But I can't tell you how hard I've been looking at the NBA standings all year. Not for playoff positioning but for the, the lottery odds. Because I want this last Nets pick to have not been... I don't want it to be a factor anymore. I don't want to think about it. And if it's Mikhail Bridges as opposed to DeAndre Ayton, that will make me feel a lot better. You know what I've learned to stop doing is stop questioning Vegas. Like, Vegas, I think, had us <clears throat> at 29 wins on, on the is DOT right? to begin the season. Just don't don't mess with them, man. Those, those guys know their stuff. And I thought it would actually be higher than that, I think. We came in hot after that uh, preseason. We we I think we <laughs> well, all had. But it was like one preseason game. I know. Think well, we we all like everyone was like, yeah, twenty nine sounds about right. And then we played two preseason games and looked tight. We we're like, 
that's it, boy. This is the year. <laughs> it was like, yeah. the Nets are going to do it, man. Yeah. They're going to make this huge turnaround. I mean, um, we did look really good in preseason. You know, I think, I think we should realize over the NBA that the only way to do a massive turnaround, massive in terms of bad to good, actually bad to good, is to get someone like Jason Kidd, when the Nets got Jason Kidd when they did, uh, or to get like a super infusion of talent on the level of Jason Kidd. There's not like... There hasn't been a team that's gone from bad to good by having the same players. You know? It's not like... They, no, There's been no budding plant that explodes in that way. The Sixers went from bad to good because they got Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid back, and, you know, J.J. Redick was joined the team. Bellinelli's now on the team and all that stuff, so... But the Nets next season will be a playoff team, so mark that down. You're, you're calling it here? Yeah, why not? Well, nobody will remember it anyhow, so if it doesn't happen, that's okay, too. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening all season. We're yeah, we're going to have, we're going to go, I mean, this is, we're getting into the time we're actually, this, know, is, the, this the, is our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of postseason cover, like, in terms of not about the NBA postseason, but like, what should the Nets do in free agency? What should they do in the draft? Who's good on this team? Who's bad yeah. on this team? Who should be traded? If, if anything, like we're, we're acting like this is the end of the, this is we're just we're coming out of the doldrums into the actual meaty part of our Brooklyn Nets season, <laughs> which is the and, off season. And there's a chance we may have some interesting interviews coming up. The the the, um, the amount of confirmation we have on whether those interviews will come through is varied. We're in conversations, as, as <laughs> Multiple they say. conversations. We're in conversations. I will say that at least one of the potential interview subjects' name has been brought up in this pod. Wow. So listen deeply to this pod, list out all the names, yeah. tweet at us all the names, and we'll tell you which one it is. <laughs> um, hey, where do they find us? You can find us on iTunes. What I would say is if you're not... Oh, uh, tell them about Google Play. Get off that stuff, man. I can't I, say it enough. It's trash. So we do everything we can to make Google Play happen. Google Play is just a bad service, shockingly. Also, so, Stitcher sucks, too, FYI. So if you guys are listening on Google Play, I'm tired of people just like absent-minding me plugging... Can I say, I'm an Android guy, okay? Yeah. So... I am too. Player FM is my choice. Go Player FM. Player FM. I do Podcast Addict. Yeah. Great. Perfect. Totally boom, serviceable. Boom, boom. Stitcher and Google Play require so much hand-holding. Don't even mess with them. Do us all a favor. Do yourself a favor. Get onto a proper podcatcher. And and what there's this new policy that we want to be doing. Can you download us five times? So download <laughs> each episode five times. Please do that. And then rate them each five times. Um, it's the five by five plan. And again, buy everything that it's commercially on our podcast. Yes. Navy Federal Credit Union, among others. Yeah, please buy open up five accounts. <laughs> hearing the yeah. The dulcet tones of my Navy Federal Credit Union have, have has been downloaded millions of times on the networks. Mike, I'm a little internet celebrity now. Do, do you is it hey, this is Brian from the Glue Guys. Yeah, that's the one. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back at you with more pods. There's no break for us. Wait, keep it going, Mike. Um, We will be here. We will be talking about it. Hopefully the Nets finish out the season with another win. Um, If they do, you know, I think we'll look back kind of fondly on this season. It's like this was a little bit. This was a step forward for the Nets and their future. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And good night. Yeah, boy.